0: There's Crispy, and then there's Crispy-er. Try our new and improved Tyson Crispy Chicken Strips. Crispy just got Crispy-er. Hello, everyone. You're listening to HBCU 468, the Roden Fellows Podcast. I'm Bill Roden. We're recording this podcast on a Friday morning. My co-host, Tucker Toon from Morehouse College in Atlanta, is on the line with me as we get closer to the NBA Playoff Championships. Tucker, what team have you been impressed by?
1: Even though Portland lost last night, I've I've been really impressed with them, um, the way they've been playing, you know, really only having two stars in Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and being able to uh, have their role players step up. I, I think they've been playing really well, even though. Golden State stole one from him
0: last night. Uh, Janae Adams from Clark Atlanta University is also with us. Uh, Janae, whose performance in the team or individual has been most surprising to you?
2: Hey, everyone. You know, I'm a Warriors fan. So, obviously, I've been impressed by my team. But I think that Draymond Green really has been showing out in these playoffs so far. Like, Draymond's the heart and soul <laughs> of the Warriors. But he's really been, like, playing hard. And he knows his role, and he's just been doing good throughout these games and games, the driving
0: force. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about graduations in the NBA playoffs all month, and it's not stopping today. Tiffany and Alana uh, graduated last week. Isaiah and Janae are going to graduate in the next few days. Uh, normally, graduation is pretty jubilant, but uh, Clark and Morehouse may experience protests. We're going to touch on that later.
1: Wait a minute, Mr. Roden. Before you go on, aren't you forgetting something?
0: Uh, like what?
1: Word on the street is that Janae and Isaiah aren't the only ones getting their degrees. You're receiving your honorary doctor from your alma mater, Morgan State, on Saturday. Congratulations.
0: Woo, 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 woo.
2: Hey, congrats. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, no, it's a quite an honor. And uh, that's right. We'll be graduating together, uh, Janae, and I'll be graduating uh, at Morgan with Isaiah. So, no, it's, it's great. It's uh, Yeah, it's pretty cool, I must say. It's pretty cool. Proud um,
1: of all the graduates.
0: That's right. Then, Tucker, you next year.
1: Yep, uh, next year. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, so, we're, we're going to be talking about graduation at the AUC. Uh, but first, senior NBA writer, Mark Spears, is going to join us to discuss rising stars in the NBA, from the draft to the playoffs. LeBron James isn't on the court this playoff season, but the games, I think, are pretty exciting to watch. In fact, I would argue that the absence of King James has allowed a lot of fans to focus on the performances of a rising stars like C.J. McCollum, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, the postseason is also making us look toward the upcoming NBA draft and how that might shake up some di- uh, dynamics and some dynasties. With us to discuss all these issues is more and more senior NBA writer for The Undefeated, the great Mark Spears, on his way to becoming legendary. Uh, Mark, Mark, on the line <laughs> to manage our. Yeah, Mark's allowed to manage our expectations. Hey, welcome
3: back to the show, Mark. Oh, Thank you very much, man. If you say that, then I must be okay. Oh no, man,
0: you're beyond okay, I'll man. I'll
3: take that introduction wherever I go. I'm just going to play that audio when I walk in the restaurant, go <laughs> to the airport, wherever I do, I'm just going to play that loud. I'll be all right. Well, they,
0: they say you don't, need, you don't need that, like, particularly when you're in Oakland, man. You know? <laughs> uh, hey, before we dive into that um, – Congratulations, Martin! Now, you graduated from uh, LSU with a Master's in Sports Business Management, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, man, that's great, no.
3: brother. Yeah, no, Congratulations. It's, you know, it's funny. I live in an amazing, amazing family with a lot of master's degrees, with doctors and, you know, all, all kind of people. I got a cousin that just got a, some Obama fellowship, you know, but my mom has a master's, my sister has one, so I'm late. I'm late uh-huh. and I've been wanting to get one and, you know, kind of just, uh, to push forward my, uh, my development, my ability to, you know, challenge myself to do different things. And it's something that I've always wanted. And, you know, I I need to shout out the undefeated, um, Rena Kelly and Kevin Meredith and Sabrina Clark for, you know, getting the okay from ESPN. Thanks to ESPN for helping me with this because they, they funded it. ESPN paid for
0: it. Oh, wow. So it, oh, uh, great. it was a wow. two year process.
3: Really and I know these students, students on the, uh, <laughs> on the air right here are like, oh, they, they really appreciate that. But essentially, ESPN <laughs> gave me a scholarship, you know, to, wow. um further my education. So a big thanks to them. And it was a very, very proud moment. And to tell a story real quick, it was kind of funny. Um, I'm, I, I get up and, you know, he was about to walk into the stadium, and then all of a sudden this guy I met briefly from LSU a couple of years ago who's their football, one of their football recruiters, he invited me to go in the stadium to take pictures oh, wow. when I had my cap and gown on. <laughs> oh, no. So I go in there, oh, wow. and he brings me to the locker room, and they have recruits there, so they have photo shoots set up for the recruits. Well, he's like, man, mm-hmm. if you want to take pictures, you can. So I, like, basically got my own photo shoot in the, foot, uh, I mean, in the uh, football locker room for LSU. Then he brings oh, me onto the field, and then we, we take some pictures on the field and some video of me walking onto the field, which I put onto uh, social media. And then as I came back into the stadium, Ed Ogeron, the head football coach, there. So I, I take oh, a picture with him. So my mom tells Ed Ogeron, coach, I pray for you every day, every game. And he says, yes, you do, ma'am. He's like, yes, I do. So they take a picture. He says, come with me, ma'am. He puts his arm around my mom and walks onto the field with my mom. And they start mm. walking the field talking about God and religion and, and Joe Osteen. Wow. And I, I got to go graduate, wow.
2: man. <laughs>
3: so I left my wow. <laughs> <laughs> my mom on the field with Ed Ogeron <laughs> as I had to go run and uh graduated. Oh man. That's great. Oh man,
0: that's great. That was a great day, man. She, great, yeah, great, uh, she, great day. she enjoyed
3: it. Yeah. So you
0: just so you walked across the stage?
3: Yeah, no, I walked across the stage and, and everything. And uh uh it it was um I I I, I ain't gonna lie and, I've got a little teary eyed when I cross the stage, man. It's a lot of work. And the funny thing is, you know, mentally, I'm still doing my job and I'm doing that. So it's like my brain is thanking me now. It's for the last two years, man, you know, writing stories, full time job, and it's been about 10 and 12 hours a week doing this. It's tough, mm. man. And so oh, I've like got you a that. piece of my brain
0: back. <laughs> Uh, now, yeah, I was gonna ask you. As much as you produce for the undefeated man, how did you find time to, to work on your masters? I mean, because you produce, you're probably one of the maybe the most highly productive writers on the staff.
3: I made time. Um, sometimes I was doing things late at night, um, early in the morning, reading on planes you know, and sometimes I had to ask for some extensions which, you know, the professors were really, really good about. The LSU program was great and understanding that, you know, a lot of people in their masters program that were doing it online had other things going on in their life. So um they they did a really good job of accommodating me but, you know, it was weird. It was it was tough. Like when I say weird there was a, a co- two occasions in which I had to uh, have a proctor watch me from my computer. Mm. If you can believe that, where it was like, I'm taking a test. I had to show him around my computer, under my computer, behind me, put my cell phone away, and this lady would watch watch me for three hours to make sure I wow. did So, mm. like, for people that think, oh, well, shoot, I, I actually think online is tougher. Because you're I not in the classroom you. where you could ask a professor. You're, you're not – you don't have classmates where you could, you know, learn from and, and go to lunch with and figure this out together. I mean, it was, you're, you're pretty much on your own. There was one student I connect with that's a – she's a college basketball coach. I didn't even know that she graduated. She take, she sent me a message saying, congrats. I, oh, I thought you were still in the program. Like, you know, so it's kind of even hard to, like, build – relationships with the other students because everybody's all over the place but it was an amazing experience I'm so glad I did it and the the, um, thing that I you know Mr. Roden, I didn't even think about and I don't know if I would even know to think about was I have had a lot of people like reach me come up to me and tell me they're proud of me and that I and, and you know, I, I like inspired him. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like Marcus Thompson mm-hmm. from the Athletics, mm-hmm. like man, he said I got chills when I saw you, you know, walk into the stadium with your cap and gown. He said I'm really thinking about going to, going back to school now, and so
1: mm-hmm.
3: I, I didn't think that could have such a such an impact on you know what's going on uh, with uh, you know, it could impact other people, but. Uh, we'll see, but it, uh, I've gotten some really, really warm messages from folks about you know uh, me, me reaching this uh, educational level.
0: How does this relate to, or how does this compare to when you got your undergraduate degree? Was this more satisfying? You know
3: what? I, don't get me wrong. I I cried after I got my my bachelor. You know, uh-huh. but I I think perhaps that was more from disappointment from. You know my college basketball career, and because I, I went to three different schools, um, mm-hmm. so it was pretty emotional when I when I got it done. But I think this was more impactful because I don't I don't know a lot of people like me that got master's degrees. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And to me, like it's funny when I got my high school degree, I didn't really celebrate because you're supposed to get your high school degree. To me, right. you're supposed to get your bachelor's degree. I mean, that's just I think the mindset, uh, even as as black folks, we, it had to be a given that you get your bachelor's to me. Unless you got some special way. <laughs> right. We celebrate it, but you're supposed to. So, like, getting a higher-level degree, for anybody who gets it that I run across now, I want to hug them and tell them congrats, tell them you made it through the storm, because it's one thing where, you know, I was whooping and going to school, I mean, That wasn't that hard. It's amazing because I got straight A's and I had a 2.8 when I was in college. I was actually on probation when I started at LSU. I had a 2.8 in college. (laughs) But I was like, what was I doing back then, man? Like, you know, you're just younger. You're not taking it as serious. You're messing around. You, You know, I was actually more focused during the basketball season than when I wasn't in basketball season. So." I guess what I'm learning is I, I probably do better when I have more stuff I got to get accomplished because I, I make better use of my
1: time. Mm. When, when most uh, journalists pursue their master's degree, they pursue it out of the of journalism. So do you think more sports journalists should study sports business management and how critical has it been so far, you know, in your, in your writing and in, in your reporting? Oh
3: man, that, that's a great question. Um, I I think it's really uh, opened my eyes a lot because when I graduated from San Jose State, I actually minored in psychology. And Mm -hmm. that, believe it or not, has really, like, helped me in terms of the questions I ask. I ask really introspective questions. I think at least Kobe Bryant once told me, you know, you always ask Dr. Seuss-ass questions all the time. (laughs) He said it in respect. (laughs) Like, like, he's like, you ain't just going to ask me, like, you know, something that's just the door, it's something that's thought-provoking, you know what I mean? uh, But I I appreciated him saying that. So, you know, I do think that business and sports business is two different worlds, man. Like, I learned so much about the world of sports in terms of, like, building stadiums and Mm. running an athletic department. Mm -hmm. And human resources and just, just like every different aspect and, you know, being in the Bay Area with the Warriors about to open this new arena, you know, I'm paying attention more to, uh, cost and how much they're going to make in the long run and, you know, mm-hmm. things like the fact that the Warriors made a mistake and signed a television deal for 20 years, not knowing that they're going to be a champion. You know, and and how much money they're losing now, because wow. uh, they they sign a long term deal. I'm hearing the Giants actually get more on their television contract than the Warriors do, but oh,
1: wow.
3: you know the, the Warriors probably have ten times as much viewership on television. So, you know, it, it sports now. There's a lot of talk about contracts. There's a lot of talk about teams being purchased, arenas. Television contracts, you know. I've had two lockouts since I've been covering the NBA, you know. So if, if you think that you're going to come in now when people love the offseason so, so much, and it's just going to be about the basketball or the football or the baseball, you're, you're making a big mistake. There's just so much you got to learn about the not just the X's and O's, but the dollars and cents of the game. And, uh, so this, I think, helps me understand much greater, uh, when the stadium stuff is talked about or uh, free agency is uh, talked about or collective bargaining agreement is talked about or why a team is doing this or why they're, uh, selling season ticket licenses and some of the games that franchises p- play to, to get money out of the, um you know, the, the season ticket holder. Um, you know, I, I I laugh at a lot of stuff now because I feel like, uh, I know all the recipes now.
1: <laughs>
3: like I, I know the tricks that they're playing. And so I'm sure I probably annoy the Warriors a little bit with some of the things I talk about in terms of, uh, you know, their, their new stadium. And, you know, when I hear that, oh, it's privately funded, you know, yeah, it's privately funded, but they're going to be all right. They're, they're, they're making some money in the process, and I, I love when these teams do this. Uh, you know, uh, season ticket licenses is basically like a tax-free loan that they're giving a team. You know, for example, the Warriors. I think they're charging ten to fifteen thousand dollars per seat per ticket for their new place, and you know they finance it, and then they're gonna give you your money back in thirty years. You know what's what's that money going to be worth in thirty years, right? And yeah. so they're basically getting a two hundred and fifty million dollar, you know, roughly um, tax free loan to help them put towards their new new arena. You know, it's smart, smart business, and wow. nobody's saying no that they, they, the fans aren't jumping together to say we won't do this. They're doing it, and. And it's not just the Warriors, it's other franchises as well, going into new venues and new places. And, um, you know, that these sports teams have so much power because they know that if you don't want them, somebody else will take them. Wow.
0: Two questions. Is the city better off with a stadium, whether it's football, basketball, or without, and do you think Seattle will ever get a, a basketball NBA franchise?
3: See, here's the, the question with Seattle is do they expand the NBA to do it or does the team move? So New Orleans, you know, I don't know why people hate on New Orleans so much. not. My family's from there, so I'm a little sensitive about New Orleans. You know, I'd be in my feelings about New Orleans, but uh, when, when people saying you know, I, I Zion's somewhere else. Or, yeah, yeah,
1: they I, love New Orleans. have been talking about New Orleans since the, uh, since the yeah. lottery.
3: Yeah.
0: Like,
1: so, but, what's wrong with New
3: Orleans? <laughs> yeah. And, well, I mean, New Orleans is predominantly black, so maybe there's some undertones to it. Maybe but, that's why. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but,
3: exactly. yeah. But but anybody that's been there, I mean, I'd, I'd take a trip to New Orleans over 90% of the cities in the NBA any day. Um, New
0: Orleans is true. The
3: ownership, yeah. yeah. So they, they seem committed to being there. Um, and that's why a design thing will be a good push financially for the franchise. They needed that, you know, the same way the Memphis Grizzlies needed John ja Morant. So here's another thing, like Memphis, to me, Memphis is the one to keep an eye on. I think their lease is up in a couple years at their venue. Um, yeah. Their owner actually lives in, and I don't know if Janae knows this, but uh, their owner lives in San Jose. Um, so, well, I didn't know that. He, he's, he's, yeah, he's really, really behind the scenes. He's a tech guy. So you wonder if he'd be more attractive to moving a team to, like, Seattle or moving a team to, say, Vegas or, you know, even Vancouver. You know, Kansas City, Louisville, Kentucky. They've been chomping at the bit to try to get a team. Kansas City and Louisville already had arenas. Interesting thing, if you go back to the history of the Oklahoma City Thunder, when the New Orleans, the the thing, if it wasn't for Mm -hmm. Hurricane Katrina, I don't know that... Yeah, Oklahoma City ever would have got a team. So when Katrina happened, New Orleans needed a temporary place. They also considered, I think, uh, Louisville and um, Kansas City because they had venues already, and they ended up picking Oklahoma City basically because of the proximity. Um, That helped Oklahoma City tremendously, and then they got two of the worst trades in, in league history with Seattle going to Oklahoma City and Vancouver going to Memphis. You know, with all due respect to those two cities and the people there, I mean, Seattle and Vancouver are two of the most amazing cities I've ever been to in my life. Uh, So that was a mistake from the NBA, uh, but it is what it is. But, you know, Memphis is, I think, a franchise to keep an eye on uh, for potentially moving. If not, the NBA could expand. Uh, Remember, there's a hockey team going to Seattle. But the one thing that Seattle keeps messing up is they haven't been able to do like what the Warriors are doing. They're not building a waterfront property. They haven't been able to figure that out. So their hockey team and Mr. Roden, I know you've been there probably your share of time. Yeah. They're like renovating the old marina that the Sonics played in,
0: uh, which is
3: like okay, a, right outside of downtown and like just nestled in the neighborhood. And, you know, I keep hearing rumblings that the Mariners don't really want a basketball team to come because that could affect their business a little bit. I don't think the Seahawks care, but the Mariners do care. Um, So, you know, the Seattle thing is curious because I don't know if the NBA would be all excited to play in the same venue. That was the problem in the first place, even if it's renovated. So, but that's the thing. Should it, would it be good business for the NBA to expand another place? that I hear is Mexico City. I don't know if Mexico City is a great idea. I don't know. Thank you. Um if a lot of players would want to play there if you keep if you look, you know, the NBA has experimented with Mexico City. They've been playing a game there every year. You know, and I wouldn't be surprised if a G League team goes there first to kind of see that market There's like I mean, a test run of Yeah, yeah, but you know mexico loves basketball obviously soccer yeah. is first they do love american football they do love baseball but you could make an argument that basketball is ahead of both of those like that it that basketball is only second to soccer um and so for some reason it does appear that silver is very very interested in the Mexico City market, I just – I think we need more time with that. I, I would hope that if they are going to do anything, I hope no team moves because I hate that. I mean, we're dealing with that in Oakland. But I, I do think it's a, perhaps a time to consider maybe some expansion. And uh, if it ended up – if it was me picking, I would say um, – Seattle and give Vancouver another chance.
0: We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Mark Spears about the NBA draft, the NBA playoffs, and all things NBA. Hey, Mark. Speaking of uh, uh, the West, we can stay out there. What, what are your thoughts on the playoffs, man? Start where you are now. You're, uh, you know, you, you uh, you're in Oakland. You're going to be looking at the uh, Portland uh, Golden State series. Uh, y- your thoughts on that, man? It just seems like. Uh, Golden State is just unreal. They they win with Kevin Durant. They win without Kevin Durant. Your, your, your thoughts on uh, on the, the first of all just the Portland uh, Golden State series and uh, and Durant being out.
3: Well, you know I was in the Portland locker room yesterday and and they were upset that they didn't pull it out. You know, um, Seth Curry just kept saying, "Man, that third quarter, that third quarter, that third quarter," and, and the third quarter killed him. Warriors had been excellent in third quarters in the regular season, not so much really in the postseason until last night, uh, and they came back and won the game. And it now, now to me, the pressure is more on Portland because you, they can't lose at home. They got to win both games, and if if they lose one, all the Warriors got to do is come back and 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 win at home, and it's over with, which you know would be great for Durant which would be great for uh DeMarcus Cousins uh, to you know basically give him more time to get ready cuz I don't think the finals would start until this finals game one of the finals would be May 30th right so if the Warriors were to complete it without those two guys it essentially gives them two weeks to get to heal and get better. I, I definitely, right now, I, I'm starting to think that Cousins might have a better chance of returning this series than than KD does, but if the Warriors can get it done in five games, that would be tremendous for their team in terms of rest and perhaps entering the finals with a whole complement of players which they have not had all season. Like, they just got Damon Jones back, right? And he was their starting center. Damon Jones and Cousins never played together. They got bogus. So think about this. You you rarely see this, that a team has the potential to enter the finals at its healthiest as it has been all season. The Warriors, to me, they they play better on the road. You saw what happened in Houston. You saw what happened in the first round. There's going to be a lot. Now the pressure has turned. The series doesn't truly start until a team wins on a road. So but now the the definitely the pressure is on Portland to win at least to win both games at home if they truly wanna get to the NBA final.
1: And we know um LeBron has been out this uh this year's playoffs so we've seen um, you know, different teams kind of show their show some stars um step up throughout these playoffs, uh, like on Portland with CJ McCollum and Rodney Hood and even last year as we saw with Jokies. But uh what what do you think about some of the X Factors or some of the the players who have kind of crept their way up um to, to star level status um in these playoffs?
3: You, you know, it's funny, you guys mentioned you know, LeBron at the beginning and I like forgot about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like,
1: a, you right, know, this, right. don't knock
3: on LeBron. Like he's amazing. Don't, don't get me wrong; he's a great player. But the league is good, man. There's a lot of talent. There's a lot of good young talent in this league, and you know, Portland wins a series not with Dame, but in the end, with a great game from CJ McCollum. That shows you, you know, what they have. Giannis, you know, watching. Um, a guy I sat down with, and I'm going to have a story on next week, Pasco Siakam, and, mm. and it's good because, it, you know, the playoffs um, start to, you know, teach people to other guys in the league that you may not see, you know, Jokic, um, you know, those, those kind of guys, you know you know what I mean, uh, and start bringing a new generation of stars that eventually take the torch from the current guy, and so, like, the playoffs, if the playoffs were bad. You know the play, Let me rephrase this. You know the playoffs have been good when you heard nothing about LeBron other than in regards to Anthony Davis or free agent. right? But not. Oh man, the playoffs aren't good because he's not involved. The playoffs have been outstanding. They've been fun. There've been a lot of close games. There hasn't been a lot of blowouts. I mean, you got like basically. That game six, the Warriors Houston game, uh, that was riveting. Then you had the way that Toronto won uh, multiple games. The Where that so far? Yeah, yeah. Portland going into Denver and finishing off. I talked to one of my buddies from Denver today. He's still mad about that. Um, you know, there was there was some really really good. We've seen some great basketball, and it must be great because nobody's talking about at all in terms of actual basketball.
0: What are your thoughts about um, uh, the Greek Freak? I mean, you are talking about new stars. Uh, your, your thoughts about uh, uh, Milwaukee and Toronto, and then just sort of where you think some people are going to end up. You know, you saw that some people could consider it a, a disappointing uh, Boston series. I, you know, I, I don't know how you feel, man. The more I, see, the more I look at Kyrie. If you're a Knicks fan, the left, I want him in New York. But but your your thoughts about Milwaukee first and the Greek freak? and
3: This is his time, man. Like, we keep talking about him perhaps being the best player in the league. Now it's his time to prove it. Um, They could have lost game one. Kawhi's not going away, and perhaps because Kawhi is so quiet, we don't really – Think about him as one of the top three players in the league or perhaps the top player in the league. He doesn't get in that argument, but, you know, he, he's he been amazing as well. But um, this is Giannis' chance, man. I mean, Mr. Roden, Dan, have been in the finals since 74. 74. I saw Oscar Robertson at the game the other day, and he was the, the last year he played was 71. That's when they last won it. That was, You know, so this is a a city that if they win and they make it to the finals, whether they make, win the championship or not, just getting there would be so much for, mean so much for that franchise, so much for him, so much for, for his profile, so much for small market franchises as well, to show that if you build it, titles can come, winning can come. And, you know, Milwaukee did it the right way and put the right players around them and just continued to make their roster better. And um, so this is, uh, if if he truly wants to get the attention that the elite guys get, he has to make it to the final. Now, as far as Boston is concerned, I ah, am so disappointed in them, yeah, man. I had such high hopes for them. They were probably the most disappointing team they were the most disappointing team in the NBA this season. Where they go from here, and we
1: shall. You, see. you, you know, you I, speak about you. You speak about Boston. Um, Terry Rozier expressed his you know thoughts on the season, saying that he kind of struggled coming back this season with Kyrie coming back into the lineup. What were your thoughts yeah. on on him saying that? Yeah, I mean, he had he had an amazing role two years ago.
3: He had a you know a great run. And they showed that they could win without him, but how could you not take Kyrie? Um, So it it probably was hard for him because he proved that he could be a starting point guard in this league and could be great with that group of guys. Um, The question is now, I mean, I wonder privately, like, does Boston still want Kyrie? Do they think he's a great fit for this team? Or do, or do they think um, it's better to move on without him? I mean, they they did a lot to get him. You know, you, you don't want to lose an asset like that for nothing, especially not to a rival like New York or lose them to Lakers or anybody. So I, I think the Celtics are in a very peculiar position trying to figure out what's best for them. Obviously Kyrie has the power, so – Ultimately, he'll make the decision on what happens for the Boston Celtics. But then again, you got to think about like, is the Anthony Davis thing good for him? If you don't know whether Kyrie's coming back or not, would it gut your roster? If you is, is trading Anthony Davis for Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Smart in a first, worth it? Like, will, will your, will your, basically your team be gutted too much to be special? And then what if you do that and Kyrie leaves? You know? Is it worth doing that and then Kyrie leaves and you gut your team for Anthony Davis who has, you know, basically Gordon Hayward and, and Horford and Scary Terry to play with? I think they'd be really good, but does that entice Anthony Davis to stay or want to go somewhere else? It's got, that's a weird dance that, um, you know, in my my prayers to Danny Ainge that he you know gets better soon, that Danny and the Celtics gotta gotta play, um, you know. But ultimately, uh, a, a, you know, the Celtics were a very disappointing team. That I think, had they done what they were expected to do, we wouldn't be talking about all this right now.
2: Jimmy Butler yesterday, so you know Philly they had a good little run. And then lost in the end. But Jimmy Butler put on Instagram yesterday, like to Philly and my teammates, thank you. You think that he's gonna leave Philly? And, <laughs> well, like where will he go? do uh, think he gonna go? Um,
3: I was kind of the timing of that is weird because he might be coming back, but maybe yeah, maybe Janae he's, he's letting them know uh, by saying goodbye that it's, that it's over with. Um, Jimmy's gonna have a lot of suitors. I wouldn't be surprised if both the Lakers and the Clippers want him. New York could want him. I mean, I think everybody just assumes New York's going to be Kyrie and, and Durant. They could end up losing the opportunity to get both of them and end up with nothing. Who knows, you know? Uh, free agency is a dance with a lot of surprises and, and turns and twists. Um but for Jimmy to put that in now, to me, that, that seems like a goodbye letter and that he has his mind on another place.
0: Hey, hey, hey Mark, just finally before, before I let you go, now, what what um, do, you, do you think, uh, number one, just a Zion, uh, Zion Williamson? I, I have to agree. I think New Orleans is great. You know, Alvin Jitri, you know, is a great guy and probably would be the best coach for a young player, you know, like uh, like Zion. Uh, what, what, what do you think of him? Uh, if you kind of get a sense of what impact he can make on New Orleans. And then just sort of your, your, who do you think we're going to be seeing May 30th play for the uh, championship?
3: Um, as far as Zion in New Orleans, man, I mean, I read uh, something on, uh, I think Mark Stein posted it, that already they have, they have 3,000 season ticket purchases in the first day. That's a, that's pretty significant. That's a lot. You know, you know it's Saints Country. We all we all know that. Uh but they love basketball there. If you if you go look at the viewership statistics, New Orleans is always really high in the top one, two or three in terms of interest in NBA viewership uh at large. And so the love for the NBA is there, but I think a lot of times, you know, instability, moving of players, it, it impacts, you know, whether people want to to follow you or not, you know. And um, this is a jolt that they needed. Alvin Gentry called it the Saints. The Saints had their Drew Brees moment. And he thinks this is that moment for the Pelicans. Um, wow. Do, do I think Anthony Davis is going to play with Zion? No, he, mm-hmm. he wants out. Um, and the good thing for New Orleans is that their agent, Anthony Davis's agent, and New Orleans' new executive vice president, uh, David Griffin, have a good working relationship. From their days in Cleveland when Griff was the general manager there and LeBron was playing in Cleveland. So I think they will do a good job of, uh, putting some package together collectively to make both parties happy. Um, Griff is going to be respectful to LeBron. I mean, not to, Le- well, I guess LeBron too, but respectful to Anthony Davis. But he ain't going to just do him a favor without doing uh good business for the Pelicans. So, I don't know what's a good deal, though. I, I don't know that they're enamored with what the Lakers' deal was before. And it's funny that people just assume that since the Lakers got the number four pick, that that could push them over the edge. The, the draft after three, to me, drops considerably. It, it, it's, you know, but... So I, I don't know that, uh, that it's worth making that deal just because of that pick. Um, is the Jason Tatum trade, like to me, when you trade Anthony Davis, I need I need somebody that's at least a potential All Star back. So I guess yeah, Tatum sorry. is that, but I thought thought he digressed this year. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh-huh. I like I I actually like the Lakers trade probably more than most because to me it's just a lot of talent. But then keep in mind, like okay, if you get Kuzma and Ingram, you're you're only getting them you're getting them at the end of their rookie deal. So these guys are probably gonna want max money soon. Are you willing to pay them that? Do you want to pay them that? Because by acquiring them, you're gonna basically commit long term to them because that those are the assets that you got. So. You know, Griff's in a really, really tough position, and I wouldn't be surprised if he (laughs) just, you know, let Anthony Davis go to camp with uh, Zion. You know what I mean? Hmm. Let him see what that's like. You know, know, maybe maybe he might like it. You know what I mean?
0: He didn't have to trade him, right? He didn't have to trade
3: him. I mean, look, as, as Alvin Gentry said, Anthony Davis is under contract next year. Right. They have until the trade deadline to move him. I still think somebody would would take him at the trade deadline. So, you know, you go into camp and Zion's great and he's taking pressure off of you and you still got Drew Holiday and you still got Elfrey Payton. Maybe, maybe I, maybe I, I think, they be rolling the dice. I, I'm getting no inclination at all, at all, that Davis wants to give it a chance. Zero. I know. But he may not have a choice. He's under contract. So, That's right. Um, so, it'll $40 be $40 million. I'm
0: That's $40 million later? Yeah. <laughs> you say yeah. what we tell you. to play. Yeah.
3: yeah. We shall see.
0: Yeah. My guest has been the great Mark Spears. He's a uh, senior writer, prolific writer for The Undefeated, and a recent graduate uh, with a master's degree from Louisiana State University. Yeah, that's, that's, still a, that's, that's a great, 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 great accomplishment, Mark. Man, congratulations, man. i so proud of you. That, that's really great.
3: Man, it was a pleasure being on, and uh, love you all, and go Tigers.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All in LSU now. Hey, Mark, thanks so much, man. All night. right. Now. Y'all take
1: care. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it.
0: Hey, everybody. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about graduation at the AUC and why members of the Westboro Baptist Church may protest. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. It's graduation season at the Atlanta University Center, and while there's a lot of happiness and excitement, there's a lot of controversy. Uh, last week, the fellows discussed why some Spelman students are protesting their commencement speaker, Atlanta Mayor Keisha Bottoms. However, they're not the only people protesting. Members of the Westboro Baptist Church have threatened to protest the commencement ceremony at Spelman, Morehouse, and Clark Westboro has been labeled a hate group, best known for protesting combat deaths and those in the LGBT community. They're said to be taking issue with admission policies at Spelman, and most recently, Morehouse College, that accepts applications from transgender students. Spelman graduated its first trans student last year. Clark is on their list because the president, who is also the dean of the Theological Seminary, is gonna deliver the prayer at commencement. Westboro members are calling him a false prophet, and a liar. Now all these schools will be taking extra safety precautions. But Janae, you're graduating in a few days. How do you feel about all this? Are you
2: nervous? I'm not really nervous. I'm just more I don't know, I just feel like it's it's lame of them. Like I feel like we're just trying to get our degrees. So whatever issues you have with our school, leave us leave us students out of it. Take that up with the school. So I just feel like it's inappropriate to have this protest during our special day. And I would hope that, like, they don't try and outshine our day and, like, you know, ruin our, our like, milestone moment. And our school mm-hmm. already issued a statement saying that they're having extra security and police presence there just in case this happens. But, yeah, I really just, I mean, yeah, as long as they don't try and overshadow my day, then, yeah, that's just really how I feel about it. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. like how a hate group wants to be at my school, but it's just, like, people have a right to protest if they want. It's just be considerate. This is someone's special day, and you're trying to make it about your group versus me getting a degree.
0: As long as you've been at at, at, uh, at Clark Atlanta, have you seen anything like
2: this? No, I don't think we've had any protest issues since I've been
0: here. Uh, 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 Tucker, uh, you kind of reported on some of this. What, what are your thoughts about this? Although you're at Morehouse, what are your thoughts about, about the protests? And, and, well, and also the issues no, behind the protest. Well,
1: I know that the students uh, feel strongly um, about the, the policy, um, but... In terms of the protest, I agree with Janae. I don't think they should should protest and, and, and hold it against the students when the students are just trying to earn their degree. Um, and from knowing the history of Westboro Baptist, um, they don't really protest in, in, in large numbers from, from what I've seen online. So I wouldn't be too concerned, but I would also be precautious because you, you never know with, with groups like this.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah
0: what what do you think i I know that you just want to get through graduate but what do you think of the issue they're p- protesting uh about transgender and um yeah what what do you what do you think about that itself
2: I think it's just unnecessary and hateful i don't see um what they what that got to do with them like what a transgender student wanting a degree has to deal with them. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just kind of like a mind your business type of thing. You don't, if you, like, it's not even like these people have kids who go to those. It'd be one thing, I guess, if you were, like, a parent of Morehouse and you're having an issue and you get, I guess, dad <sighs> to you, maybe. But, like, these people, like, you don't, you, they probably don't even have kids who go to this school. No. Know the, no affiliation no, Janae, you're, you're, whatsoever.
1: You're exactly right. The church is based in Topeka, Kansas, so I don't think anybody has any kind of relation um with the aec
2: <laughs> exactly so wow. it's just like it, it's really like you're going out of your way wasting your gas or your plane ticket or whatever to go protest something that literally has no it doesn't affect you in any type of way that's why i just think it's dumb like i just don't yeah. see why you can hate something that uh, a transgender person wants to receive a higher education that much yeah yeah, and you,
0: and, and before we close out the segment, uh, uh, you know, we don't want to let a hate group overshadow a day that honors all of your hard work and achievements. But, Janae, what are the top three lessons that you're taking away from your time at Clark? Uh, and you could also give a shout-out to your former school, Alabama A&M. Um,
2: from Clark, our motto, I'll find a way or I'll make one, is the number one thing I learned from them. Um, A&M, I really learned more about myself there. I think I give them all the credit. Like before I went out there, like I didn't really know much about the South and just a lot of um, Black history in general. Like different things. Like I learned more about Black culture and in every element during my two years at A&M, especially my freshman year. Yeah, and then at Clark, I mean, I learned. I just learned how to push myself and have a lot on my plate. Like, before that, I was just always balancing being a student-athlete. And then, like, you know, my classes. And then at Clark, it was, like, being a student-athlete, internship, an actual restaurant job. Like, I learned how to push myself to limits I didn't think I could.
0: Uh, that's great. Well, we wish you, you know, it's been great having you as a fellow and uh, wish you the best of everything. Though you're going to succeed, Uh Wherever you are, we're very you proud do, so. of you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So congratulations, Janae. Great, great job.
2: Thank you so um, much.
0: Uh, we're going to leave the conversation there. Uh, Janae's got to go to graduation rehearsal. Uh, that's all we have time for today. If there's anything you'd like us to cover, or if you just want to leave us a comment, tweet us at the Undefeated hashtag RodenFellows. You could also contact us directly. I'm on Twitter at WC Roden. That's W C R H O D E N.
1: You can okay. find me on Instagram at Tuck fifty two. That's tuckt C K T five
2: two. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Janae and Adams, J A N A E N A D A M S.
0: Thanks for listening to the Roden Fellows Podcast. This show is produced by the wonderful Aaron Matthewson. Special thanks to tariqa Foster Brasby and the ESPN Digital Audio Content Team. I'm Bill Roden, and I've been your host. Get all of the HBCU 468 podcasts, as well as The Right Time with Mamani Jones, and The Morning Roast by subscribing to The Undefeated on the Listen tab of the ESPN app. Join us next week for another HBCU podcast, and don't forget to make The Undefeated your go-to site for a soulful look at sports and entertainment.